Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. My father told my brothers and me the story of how the statue of St. Sebastian came to the village of Malili, the village we once called home. Like so many stories, this one started with danger. A ship was caught in a furious storm and ran aground in Megara Bay. The hull cracked open on the rocks and the waves pushed our saint ashore. All the sailors survived. They thanked their cargo for their lives, but none of these men could lift the statue to carry it off. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I'm talking to Marco Raffala about his debut novel, How Fires End, a richly textured story about a Sicilian immigrant who keeps the trauma of his childhood a secret from his American-born son, which allows the trauma to affect another generation. Told in four parts, from the perspectives of the son, the father, the aunt, and the fascist soldier who accompanies the father and aunt to America, this is a saga about heritage, coming of age, injustice, grief, and redemption. Hi, Marco. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with you telling us how you came to write this beautiful novel. Um, so actually the, the novel started after a, um, a trip that I took with my father to Sicily, uh, to the village where he was born, Melilli, Sicily. Um, and it was seeing that place and um, all of the stories that he told me about that place come to life for me in a way that um, hadn't before. And when I returned home from that trip is when I started um, putting ideas down on the page. And I didn't really know what I was doing yet or what I was writing, but that eventually turned into the novel. How long did it take you? Um, it took me about 10 years to write it. And then a few more years after that to find representation and a publisher. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss the title. How'd you come up with How Fires End? I am the worst at finding titles. Um, this book actually went through 20 or 30 really awful titles before I found that one. And my editor actually helped me find the title. Um, and it comes from a line in the book um, in the Vincenzo section. And we shortened it a little bit. And it just was perfect. As soon as the two of us saw it on the page, we said, yep, that's, that's the title. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned your connection to Malili in Sicily, and you also have a connection to Middletown in Connecticut, where the second part of the story takes place. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I was born in Middletown, Connecticut. Um, all of the Italian-Americans who live in Middletown can trace their families back to Malili, Sicily. So, Oh, uh, that, that really is a thing? They really it, did come from... Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my father was born there. He was a, a boy during the Second World War. Um, and when the when 
the the people from Malili started coming over to uh, the United States. They sort of happened upon Middletown, and that just became the place where everyone from Malili came to if they were coming here. Um, and then they eventually raised their money to build their own church, and they um, made a statue in the image of the one that the statue of St. Sebastian in the image of the statue from Malili. So they really sort of brought over their entire way of life, their culture. So it's, it's amazing. It, it really is an interesting story. I didn't realize. So in the first section of the novel, Nella tells the story of how the town of Malili got its patron saint. It's kind of an exciting story involving a shipwreck. But will you explain why the people of the town feel so strongly about this, the patron saint, the the statue um so every village in at least to my to, to my knowledge in uh southern italy in the mezzogiorno and in sicily um they all have patron saints and in Melilli, there is a cave where there is a painting of what they believe to be saint sebastian so when the and it's been there for as long as anyone can remember and so when the statue washed ashore it's it was fate for them it was uh, it was destined to to come to them and, and then to be theirs. And they were the only and according to legend, they were the only ones who could pick up that statue off the beach. Um, so it was they brought it back to Malili and and venerated the statue. And, 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 and that's how that became such an important part of their daily lives. Wait a second. So you're blurring the lines are blurred now. So you're saying in real life, the people of Malili, the real city of Malili. So you were telling a true, a real story there. Yeah. So this is a story that I heard growing up all the time from ah. not just not just my own father uh, and my aunts and uncles, um, but also everybody in everybody in Middletown who is of a certain, I guess, age or generation. I don't know so much if they're doing it now, but they told and retold that story over and over again. You you couldn't be in a Sicilian American in Middletown and not know about Saint Sebastian, not know about the statue. Was there also an incident where somebody destroyed it or ruined it in some way? Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was, I was about to get to that. Not know that, that, um, someone mysteriously destroyed the statue, um, and how it was painstakingly restored. And no one talks about the person who, who destroyed the statue. Some people say it was, you know, uh, bandits or brigands and, and other people just sort of put their, um, finger to their to their mouths as like you know shh, we don't talk about that. So I always found that fascinating, and I wanted to know more about that. Um, who was that person, and why? What would drive them to do that? Has your book been translated into Italian yet, so they not, can read it? Not yet, not yet. I'm still holding out hope for an Italian publisher to pick up the rights. Yeah, that'd be fascinating for people to see what really happened because. Maybe your answer, your story will be the answer now. Can you introduce Salvatore and describe the incident that sets the story in motion? Although although uh, World War II is actually what sets everything in motion, but you go on this. Uh, so Salvatore is, he's born in uh, Melilli, Sicily. Um, he, during the Second World War, as a young child, he's hiding in caves. It's um, while the... Allied invasion of Sicily is sweeping through not just their island, but through their village, um, which is actually something, again, that happened in real life. Melilli was bombed by the uh, Allies, and then when Italy switched sides, it was bombed by the Germans. Um, so 
and a lot it was very a very traumatic experience for everyone there a lot of people lost their lives um so salvatore um once the allies pushed the uh germans and italians out of melilli and 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 they essentially free the village uh from off uh, a military occupation of the germans and the italians um there's a little bit of a celebration and he goes to get his twin brothers and he comes upon um, the two of them playing with an unexploded shell. And, and sort of that's the, the moment that changes his life and, and sets him on, this, on, on the path that he's on in the book. Um, that's, that sends him to, uh, to the United States um, eventually. And he, he tries to warn them to not play with the bomb and uh he's too late and this isn't a spoiler it's it's sort of right in right in the opening uh chapter of the david section um and he's he's too late and he witnesses their deaths which is a horrible event that you can imagine a young child would have to see and um that just irrevocably changes his life the trauma of that moment and he's unable to um deal with that trauma and a lot of that is from machismo and the nature of the idea of uh, the way men are supposed to be. Uh, so he doesn't ask for help. He doesn't get help. He doesn't. He doesn't deal with um, with the the emotional fallout of of what he went through. And that really, at the core, is what dest- sort of destroys his life and changes him. Um, and he tries his best to protect his son from that. Um, but that silence, that sort of damning silence does him in, in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was also based on a family story, a true story, right? Yes, that's correct. Wow. So now let's talk about Vincenzo and explain for those who don't remember, why was he in hiding? Um, and what was the problem? with him having been a fascist soldier? So, uh, Sicilians had no love for Mussolini, um, but there were those within the infrastructure of the government that um, were black shirts, they were fascists, they were party members. Um, so, as an Italian soldier, he's, 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 a, he's essentially a foreigner, he's an Italian, he's not a Sicilian. Um, and he's enforcing a war that the Sicilians are sick of, and he he doesn't he at a young age he buys into um, the ideals and the notion of of uh, fascism. He was a, he was in the Balilla, which is the um, Italian fascist youth brigade. It's sort of the 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 Italian version of the Hitler youth brigade. Um, so he, in a sense, he at a very young age, he was brainwashed into this into this political philosophy, um, and he, he only realizes later the how wrong that was. But he he comes to Melilli and he realizes that the war is hopeless, that the island is lost, and he tries to he tries to he comes upon this family, Salvatore's family, and he tries to convince Salvatore's father to leave, or at least to to take this gun to to protect it his family with and and his father won't leave he won't take the weapon he's not a violent man um and so vincenzo goes back to the um germans that he's with and eventually um deserts as the battle 
becomes hopeless and he doesn't want to die for a hopeless cause. And so he wanders a bit until he finds his way back to, um, back to these two children, Salvatore and his sister Nella, and he takes them under his wing. And they try to start new lives together in the United States. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He's such an interesting character because he's really actually a horrible person <laughs> in <laughs> he, some he ways. Is. I mean, he was, he's he was very hard to write. Ooh. And then he turns into such a good, upstanding citizen. Um, but what causes, like, he, he takes Salvatore, they're, and they're young, they're kids, like 15 and 60, something like that. What causes them to create an almost family-like bond? Well, they've both lost so much from the war. Um, Salvatore and Nella lose their, not only lose their twin brothers, they, they eventually lose their parents um, to, a, to a horrible accident that is sort of related to, to um, an event that Salvatore took, took part in that was related to his trauma of losing his brothers. And um, Vincenzo, after the war, tried to go back to Rome to his parents and found couldn't find them, found their home destroyed, and learned that they were part of the partisans who were fighting against um, fascism. Um, so he he wanders a bit. He's lost everything, and and he just he gloms on to those two kids in Sicily as like his redemption, his only hope to um, to make amends for everything that he's done. Um, so that's sort of why he goes back and tries to find them and um, convinces them to go to the United States with him. But he also had a chance at love and he let her slip out of his life. Why couldn't he reciprocate her love? Um, I don't believe that his trauma allowed him to... Um, to 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 feel that he was worthy of love, um, mm. you know, and if you can't um, address your own trauma, um, if the only emotions that you allow yourself to feel are anger, then how can you express love? And so that's where he's he's in this he's in that sort of amorphous place where he doesn't believe that he deserves. Uh, Maria's love, and he also can't really express it because he's too he's too damaged, and he doesn't know how to how to heal. Mm-hmm. And he, and he can't ask her for help because that would be weakness. That would be he's a man; he's not supposed to ask for help, and he certainly shouldn't ask a woman for help. That's you know that's against all of that ridiculous, all of those ridiculous notions of machismo. So, mm. you tell us on the book cover that Salvatore ends up losing his American-born son, which is yet another heartbreaking moment in in your novel. How did you decide to let that happen? It took a very long time for me to to come to the realization that that had to happen. Um, 
And for, I, I wrote pages and pages of more David as an older man, and it was all lifeless and awful. And I, I came to realize that for Salvatore to even tell his story, it, it has to come from the trauma of losing David, of understanding what his silence finally cost him. Mm-hmm. And then continue a little bit about Tony, David's middle school nemesis, and how how his own, tor- you know, he was He's goaded by his father and beaten by his father. Let's just mention him a bit. Tony Morello is, um, I love him and I feel sorry for him. Um, he's also uh, a lot like David caught up in his father's um, pain and inability to form connections and um and heal and so they're sort of playing off the echo uh so david and and um tony are playing off that echo of their of both of their parents who have this animosity with one another that goes all the way back to the war and tony really is um i i I love where he ends up without giving anything away but um Mm -hmm. tony was it was important for me to have that tony character and he was another character that came in very late in, in the, in the, in the revision process. Mm-hmm. Um, food plays a really important role. I love your descriptions and I actually had to stop reading at one point to go roast some sweet peppers. <laughs> so, you. so let's discuss the menu. What, what was fun about that? Did you, ha- did you try everything? Was it food your mother made? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, my father and I roasted peppers. We peeled them. We, um, my father grew a garden in our backyard. So I was, um, reared in that world and I gained a lot of weight writing this book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, all the, all the food in the book is food that either my father cooked or, um, was available at, at family gatherings that, that his sisters would bring. So it was all, um, it was, it was all around me growing up. There's this one heartbreaking towards the end where Nella bakes a cake every year for the church sale. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that cake. Um, I'm trying to remember what that cake is. But but she does it every year. Is it the same cake right. every year? It is the same cake every year. Yeah, no, it's the same cake. I think it might be the almond cake. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so she... She's very, she's very devoted to, as, as all the um, Sicilians and Sicilian Americans are, to St. Sebastian in Middletown, um, to the church. And so she does this every year for the festival. And every year in May, there's a festival in honor of St. Sebastian. Um, and there's a, an auction where they, um, they raise money for the church. And they have this um, contest no no, i'm sorry not a contest they have this auction and and no one will buy her no one will um will um put money down for her cake because of her family history um and i just it, it just felt like it was one more moment where um you could see the damage done and also the pettiness in in people who can't forgive 
Yeah, it was heartbreaking, but I also wanted the recipe. So <laughs> <laughs> the recipe is—it's um, actually on my website. Oh, that's good to know because I was a little disappointed at the end of the book. I was—I kept hoping for recipes, but this is good. Good info. There's a, there's a book club guide um, on the website, and you can download it. And on in that PDF file is the recipe for Nella's almond cake. Excellent, and other things too. Uh, no, it's just that one recipe. Oh, just the one. Okay, that's the that's the one I really wanted. Excellent. Um, you mentioned the garden. The garden was almost like another geographical location. So there was um, the the you know Sicily, and then there was Middletown, Connecticut, and then there was Salvatore's garden. Yes, um, the garden is. It's really his. It's his place of solace. It's the one thing that he can control. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can he can tend these plants. Uh, he keeps them alive, and they in turn feed his family. And um, it's that cycle of life that that is peaceful for him, um, but also enables him to. Um, to feel to feel a connection to the earth, which is the only thing that he's ever really loved in life. He said he loved his wife. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the thing that I don't mean that he doesn't love his life. He doesn't love his his wife or his children, but it's the it's the one place where he finds a connection that is peaceful, um, away from all of the trauma that he's mm-hmm. experienced, and where he has a semblance of control over what's happening and. Um, he can keep, you know, the, the, he tends that garden and keeps those plants alive and they take care of his family. And it's like this, this connection that he has to it. It's this cycle. You know, a lot of these people are traumatized, as you said, but you portray the town, which is a real town in Connecticut. Um, they don't come off that well. Have, have, have any of their book groups invited you yet? <laughs> Has their library? <laughs> uh, it is at the um, library. It is at the Russell Library in Middletown, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't heard any complaints. Um, okay. I don't. I don't know that I meant to not portray people in Middletown well. I, I was like the the book is not um, all encompassing of everyone who's in Middletown. Of, right. Yeah, so, you know, it's these particular individuals who came from Sicily who have this connection to the war are the ones who are deeply wounded and 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 broken. And a lot I've I've heard from um, people who are from Middletown who aren't even related to me that I don't know who no longer live there who have contacted me to be like to say that you know I remember the events of 1943 in Sicily. This book meant oh. so. Much to me. So uh, yeah, no one has complained about potentially seeing themselves in the book and thinking that, that they were portrayed in a bad light. I was just that business about nobody buying this lovely old woman baking a cake every year and nobody buying it. Except- right. Right. Well, that, that also, <laughs> I, I should add that, uh, cause I know I said that that spoke to pettiness, but it also, I think it speaks to their superstition. Um, ah. and the, cause the, the, her family, Nella's family is believed to be cursed um, and the malocchio, the evil eye, is something that looms large in Sicilian life and culture. So um, part of it is is not being able to forgive, but also for some of those who are 
like like Rocco, Tony's father, who are deeply connected to those events, to then others who are tangentially connected because they've heard about it or just because they come from that that village. Um, they don't want to get too close because they don't want to catch the curse because they believe that they can. The curse is something you can catch, like into like an illness. Well, that was going to be one of my last questions about the the curse, and I'm glad you answered that even before I asked it. So, uh, it was a beautiful novel, and Thank I'm you. wondering what you're working on now. Um, I'm hoping to get back to it soon. All of these recent events have have been too. Um, I haven't been able to focus, but I am working on a um, a novel that t- takes place during the Allied invasion of Sicily over the course of like four or five days. It's very tightly focused, unlike this book, which the you know is sort of epic in scope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a um, a family in Melilli, Sicily, who help hide a Allied paratrooper during the war. Hmm. Okay. So is that going to be another ten years? Or are you? I hope not. <laughs> I'm almost done with the first draft. And I've just, I think I just found a good title. I'm not going to say what it is yet, but um, I'm a little superstitious myself talking about things that aren't finished. Ooh, okay. Listen, this was so nice talking about it. Uh, I hope you have a huge amount of success and that we all get through this very difficult time in our, in this, during, in the world, I was going to say in our nation, but it's, a, a, you know, a worldwide pandemic. So um, best of luck, and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was wonderful. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I've been talking with Marco Raffala, author of How Fires End. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to discuss it further with me and other New Book Network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As New Book Network listeners, you can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.com do forward slash nbn forward slash join.